welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. Right, no messing about. I've got so much to get through this week and I'm going to kick it off immediately. Let's get into it. I love Harley Davidson. There we go. Is that a... Is that a dirty word? Is that a dirty sentence to even say it? I love Harley Davidsons. I love the fact they're not sporty and they're not dynamic. It's that feeling. Oh, it was just, it was on Wednesday last week. I had a Harley Davidson for the day, a Sportster 1200 from 2007. It was a fuel injected model. It was just a, a glorious thing. It was the first Sportster I've ever ridden. And the Triumph Bob is so much better. The Indian Scout Bobber is so, so much better. But the Harley has so, so much more character. So much more character. So it's a trade-off and it is not as obvious a choice as you think it may be. You know, the obvious choice is, well, Fred, wake up. You go for the better bike. If you want to buy a motorbike, you go for a good motorbike. But is it that easy? Is it that simple? You know, you're going to have a lot of hardcore possibly the older school bikers who who will will value a quality motorbike a quality motorbike over you know the likes of a harley and in by quality i mean a dynamically good bike a quick bike a, a bike that's finely tuned you know i think that's so do you know, I'm going to say something here. I think it's almost an outdated thing where people just focus on the spec sheets. I think the new generation of bikers value that character more so than they have done for the past couple of decades. And I think the likes of the Royal Enfield Interceptor and the Meteor are proof of that. So I think that actually... We're going to, as bikers, start valuing that character, especially as things get more electrified. And probably we are losing a little bit of the character because bikes are now so refined. So what do you go for? Do you risk getting an earful from people saying that's not a proper bike, you're buying that sports or it's awful? Or do you go with your heart and you go out and you buy a bike that isn't going to win any spec sheets or Top Trump's award and you go out and you buy that characterful Harley Davidson Sportster. I get the appeal of it, 100%. I would, I would go out and buy a Sportster and that will be a large theme of today's podcast episode. But before I get to finding some good value Sportsters in the UK, scouring the internet and the best platforms to get that deal, because I've had a few tips before I get to that, let me get through... Oh, I've just, oh, I've just sprained a muscle in my finger. That is absolutely agony. I've never felt a feeling like that. Okay, power through, Fred. Oh, power through. Okay, right. Let's get to it. I'm quoting here. Someone sent me uh, an email. Hi, Freddie. I had an Interceptor. It was brilliant. I now have a Meteor. And from a comfort point of view, it's better than the Interceptor. It's fast enough, though, as one of the commentators said, of course, the Interceptor is faster. My advice is go for the Meteor. And then when the Super Meteor 650 comes out, upgrade to that. I suspect that the Super Meteor will be close to a perfect bike. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. A, a Royal Enfield Meteor 650. Royal Enfield 
mute here. I'm, trying, I'm trying to calm down and type quietly so it's not annoying for the audio, but hopefully this new beautiful sound system that I've got, audio system, will make that okay. I had no idea about this until a week ago. Will there be a Royal Enfield Meteor 650? Here we go, from Zig Wheels. The bike looks production ready and could make its debut by mid-2022. Last seen back in November 2021, the upcoming Royal Enfield Super Meteor. Super Meteor 650 has now been spotted testing again. The bike looks production ready. This is a game changer of a bike. I mean this in the strongest possible sense. This Royal Enfield Super Meteor will be a game changer of a bike. Right, what can I find out about it? I think it's going to be 47, 48 horsepower. It will be the same engine from the Royal Enfield Interceptor. Let's say the Interceptor in the UK is priced at around about 5.7, 5.8K. It looks like this may be 300 pounds more. So, but what we're looking at here, I, I am so unspeakably excited. I, I, I know I say that a lot, but I am. I'm looking at the pics now. This is an incredible looking bike. Really, really good. Think of the Meteor, which is already a good looking bike, just slightly more beefy, more muscly. If it comes in at around 6,000 pounds, if, if it comes in below 6'4", 6'5", 6,500 pounds, if it comes in below that figure, we're in for a real treat here, a real treat. I mean, if it can be around 6K for a bike that looks that old school cool, that will be, uh, that, that is the bike that will get cruiser motorcycles back on the map for the masses. I have, I'm so confident of that. I would go out and I, I would very seriously consider taking out finance to get this Meteor. Let me just see if I can tell you some specs. Oh, Royal Enfield, uh, they really are doing an incredible job here with what they're doing to the biking industry. Right, let's have a look and see what I can find. Ah, oh, very few, very, very few bits of information at the moment. 47 horsepower, it will come in probably slightly more expensive than the Interceptor, but only very, very slightly. Cruiser motorcycle, two-cylinder. Okay, okay, as and when I can find out more about that, I will let you know, but I am so excited. That is probably one of the most exciting motorbikes in my mind for me that I will have heard of in, in, the, past, in the past one or two years. I was very excited about the Meteor, actually, now that's come out. I'm very excited about another Royal Enfield, the Classic 350. It's Royal Enfield, I'm just so excited about their bikes because they make it accessible. They make biking accessible to the masses. I think I could take finance out on the super meter. I could take finance out. I can, I can cough up 150 quid a month for a meter. I don't think I can cough up probably 350, 400 a month for a Harley, but I can cough up 150 a month. And that's the difference. They're attainable, aspirational bikes. Right, oh, I have to show you this. Okay, right, let me just show you. Go onto my phone. Good, just make sure that's still recording. I had a, a conversation with someone from my, my YouTube video that I posted about the Royal Enfield Meteor. And someone said, uh, someone said, I just don't get the new Royal Enfield. Looks like a Yamaha or a Triumph or a Honda. What's the big deal about them? My reply. 
the classic good looks, the characterful single engine, the superb price which makes biking accessible to the masses. That's why, that's what Royal Enfield's all about. If you don't get it, it's pure, pure biking. Old school biking, the way it should be. I love it so much. Okay, right. I've got another tip here. Uh, right, Freddie, a couple of future classics here. Honda Hornet and Victory Judge. I had a look at the Victory Judge. That looks brilliant. It's £10,000 for, for the Victory Judge. They hold the value so well. 1,700cc Indian motorbike. Uh, Indian motorbike, not Indian. It's a, a Judge. Sorry, Victory Judge motorbike. It's 10 years old. It's 1,700cc Victory Judge looks really good, holds its value incredibly well. But the one I'm actually more interested in here is the Honda Hornet. Now, as the new Hornet's about to come out, what may well happen is that the original Honda Hornet may start being uh, may start being an appreciating classic. And I remember these well. It was a bike I was toying with getting, but it was always slightly out of my price range. They came in Honda CB600F Hornet 600cc format or in the 900cc engine. Now the 900 one will be the bike to have with regards to the higher values and potential for being a future classic. And if we look at that, if I, first place I like to go is MCN, right. We've got here, I'll see if I can find the 900 specific one, right, let's have a look. Honda Hornet CB9900, because this is a classically good looking motorbike with a, a circular front headlamp. It came out from 2001 to 2007. That's when it was made. It's been kind of languishing for the cheap ones at around the, about the 1.5, the one and a half thousand pound mark for a long time, but it's now 21 years old. Exactly as you'd expect from a Honda, owner's reliability rating on these CB900 Hornets. The circular headlamp ones, I'm specifically talking about the circular headlamp ones from 2001 to 2007. This is the classically good looking one, the one that will, I think, be a classic. The newer ones are much, much more futuristic, they're fine, but this is more the, the classically good looking bike. Owner's reliability rating, 4.7 out of 5. Superb reliability rating. It's 110 horsepower. Hugely powerful. More power than you would ever need. And I actually think that's in reality going to keep up with anything on modern uh, in, the, in the modern world. It's going to keep up with everything. I mean, who in reality is going to have a BMW S1000RR and actually be taking it at 150 miles an hour around the country lanes. This bike with 110 horsepower will keep up with everything. Right, MCN rating, the official raters, they gave it three out of five, so it didn't score brilliantly, but the owners seem to like it. It's got, it's got that Honda reliability. It's got, it's got those old school good looks. And if I have a look at how much these are now, you know, you get the ones with the fairings, the plastic on, and I'm, I'm on auto trade at the moment. They come in at, this is quite eye-opening, actually. 43 Honda Hornets available. If I go to Max here, they stopped in 2007. Uh, let's have a look. There are 28 bikes available from the first generation on auto trader. 
The cheapest one is £900. Now, the cheaper ones are the ones with the plastic fairing on the front. They are not as good looking bikes. If you can stretch a bit further, then the cheapest one with a circular headlamp, for me, the most desirable ones, they come in at £1,695. But have a listen to this. This sums up everything that I love about Japanese bikes and Hondas. The reason I love them so much is because they are not garage queens, these bikes. It's exactly the same principle as the, the Generation 1 Suzuki Bandits that I think will be future classics, especially the 1200. These are not garage queens. Have a listen to this. The cheapest circular headlamp, Honda Hornet, 900cc. In fact, I tell you what. I tell you what, this isn't the 900, this is the 600cc, so the cheapest 600cc Generation 1 Hornet, £1,695, 69,000 miles on the clock. The next cheapest, again, 600cc, 60,000 miles on the clock. The next is £1,800, and that is 40,000 miles on the clock. Let me see... This is what I mean. These are not garage queens. These are used as everyday bikes, commuter bikes. Let me see if I can even find a 900cc one because I'm starting to think we're onto something really special. There's a, a written off 900, but that's been a write-off. I'm not going to even mention that because I want to show you the cheapest straight one. And here we have it. I've got it. I'm going to say something right now, right now. Get out there if you've got the money and pick up a Honda CB900 Hornet. These, now, now I've just had a look at the market on these. These have all of the signs of being a future classic here because the cheapest one on Autotrade, it's £3,000. They've actually said here in the description, very rare bike. I don't know, is it is it very rare? Are we there now already that it's very rare? But a 900cc Hornet, the cheapest one being £3,000... The next cheapest 3.1k. They're really good looking bikes, these. You need £3,000. And the most expensive, I'm not a modified one. Yeah, most expensive, £4,500 for the, the latest model, the 2007 model, £4,500. These bikes will be a very, very good investment. Go out and have a look at that. I also think that the 600 Hornet will be a future classic, probably not quite as much as the 900, but have a look at that. 600 Hornets, one and a half K, 900 Hornets, more like three K plus, but they are some really good shouts that I wouldn't have considered. That is, I like that a lot, a lot. Right, moving on. Oh, uh, I like this, someone sent me an email. Elliot, thank you for sending this in. Listen to this, it's about manufacturing. Hi, Freddie. The segment last week on manufacturing, this is basically where I said, look, does it matter? Does it matter that Harley's, uh, that Triumphs are built in Thailand and that Royal Enfields are built in India? Uh, you know, a lot of bikes are made in China. You know, does it matter? So in response, Elliot. Hi, Freddie. The segment on manufacturing is quite thought-provoking. As a fellow Brit, it's a shame that as a country, we do not... Uh, we do 
we don't do much automotive manufacturing locally anymore. That being said, it is far more expensive over here for a multitude of reasons, from staff wages to land costs. And what would absolutely increase the cost of manufacture, as much as I'd love to be in a position to pay uh, the extra to have a bike build, uh, just to have a bike built down the road, it just isn't a reality. Uh, so I read that atrociously, but basically what Elliot's saying is, and I'm the same, I would love to buy a bike that's made in the UK, but I can't fork up the extra cost. It's just the way it is. It wouldn't be competitive. It really wouldn't be competitive. I continue with Elliot's email. I would agree with you regards to the global economy. My view on manufacturing in countries such as China, Taiwan, etc. is that as long as the workers are being fairly paid and treated with decency, then I'm happy with it. Regardless of the country's political leanings at its core, the workers are just people with families to feed. So in my mind, it doesn't matter that my money goes overseas. And as far as people in this country, we have plenty of other opportunities. There are... Uh, there is a lot more uh, to building a new bike than just putting the pieces together. And gone are the days of Chinese rubbish. Don't get me wrong, they still do make a lot of terrible knockoff stuff, but that's probably because someone has asked for a cheap copy. I think there was a story in the last couple of years of the Teslas that were manufactured in China for the European market actually having a better fit and finish than the ones made in America. Maybe just due to the fact that uh, China has lots of experience in that area. I don't know, just speculation. Thank you, Elliot. That is interesting. I think there's always also a point I want to add to that, Elliot, because back in the 1970s, probably 95% of all cars in the UK, they were British cars. You know, Rovers and Minis and, oh, I don't know, just, just so many, just so many. Triumphs, Triumph cars. Just every car, every car was British. Why can't I name any other British car brands from the 70s now? Oh, there were loads. It was everything, basically. British Leyland basically owned everything. And by the end, from what I've read and researched, British Leyland were a disgrace. The car quality was appalling. And also... I don't know if the same can be said for the US, but maybe the US slightly behind. But I've heard that the US cars as well, you know, they lost their ways a bit as well. So, you know, the, definitely the UK car industry, and I say this about bikes as well, we committed suicide because we had a, a poor attitude to manufacturing. We weren't managing the companies well, and it sounds like they were constantly on strike. So there were huge problems everywhere. So, we did an atrocious, atrocious job in the UK of making cars, probably 70s, early 80s, and we completely committed suicide. And I'm going to get back to this in a second because I've just had, uh, I had a message on, on, Insta, on YouTube, actually, where someone said, uh, I remember reading a test of a Harley Davidson Glide in the late 1970s and the whole exhaust system just sheared off due to the vibration and deposited itself on the motorway on the M4 in the UK at 70 miles an hour. Brand new bike. Mind you, that was when they used to put union-made stickers on things coming out of the USA, brackets, as an unintended pre-warning of poor quality. 
thank you, Richard, for sending that in. It's quite interesting. Were the US as bad as the UK with, I don't know if it was complacency, I don't know if it was poor management, just completely committing suicide with the automotive quality? And then Japan, Korea, they all come along and start doing it properly. The Japanese cars come over to the UK and all of a sudden everyone's like, hold on a second, I can go out there and buy a car that actually starts in the morning. I can buy a car that actually starts. Because at the moment, everyone's going around in British Leyland cars and it's 50-50 if they'll even start. So, you know, the Japanese cars, the Koreans, all of those, I know in the USA, there are a huge amount of Korean cars now, gigantic. You know, maybe the US and the UK and maybe other nationalities took their eye off the ball. And it's, it's, it's not the Japanese and the Koreans' fault that they're doing a better job a lot of the time. It's, it's an interesting argument. Right, okay, I move on um, to, okay, let's get on to it now. Harley Davidson's. I wanted to read a few comments from people just to give you a broad overview about people's thoughts because Harley David, Davidson is so incredibly polarizing. I want to give you a bit of a snapshot um, and I'm trying to be as, as broad as possible and I'll do four different people's opinions. These are from owners past and present and other people with opinions. Number one of four. This is someone's input on their Harley experience. A lot of these are, uh, in fact, a couple of these are from Americans as well. So we've got a good mix here. Okay. Servicing is actually pretty cheap. I do my own bike services. My 2005 fat boy costs the same as my 2019 interceptor to service and takes around the same sort of time to service. You're absolutely correct about appreciation and value. I had a Harley Davidson diner for 19 years. When I traded it in at the dealer in 2006 to buy my fat boy, the dealer gave me, this is why I love Harleys, the dealer gave me £700 more than the cost of the bike from himself 19 years before that. That's from Phil in West Yorkshire. Harley Davidson's do not lose a penny in value. I've never seen anything like it. So, so Phil went out, he bought a diner 19, uh, he bought a diner 19 years ago, owned it for 19 years, traded in and he the dealer, this is a dealership, gave him £700 more than what he originally paid for it. That's insane. Absolutely insane. Okay, I'll move on to the next one. Right, I do get, thank you from Richard for this one. Here we go. I do get the whole easy rider thing. For example, a Japanese straight four engine in a chopper, whilst the sensible choice just jars and somehow subconsciously against the whole ethos of the born to be wild nonsense. Although the overloud exhaust thing is also a bit tiresome and outdated, it just isn't trendy to be offensively loud anymore. As electric vehicles displace in internal combustion engines, stealth is the new cool, but coming back as a brand. To be fair, Harley-Davidson simply have zero appeal to me. They just, uh, uh, they, sorry, I think there's a typo there. Uh, they're just seeing parked, uh, I, okay, just seeing them parked. I know the owner will be a late middle-aged man trying to be Peter Fonda and failing miserably. The only Harley-Davidson I ever thought was cool, by the way, is the 77XL CR cafe racer that would have been a killer on the arms, but it did look great to be uh, for a Harley, to be fair. Most Harley-Davidson spend 99% of their life as garage queens and have the odd day out, which means the discomfort and reliability is probably livable. I grew up on Brit bikes, but now 
I still and I still absolutely adore them. Um, I simply cannot be doing with the constant maintenance of it shaking itself to bits every 20 miles or so. And a modern Triumph Enfield or BSA is neither fish nor meat cop uh, to me and has zero appeal. Bikes now are just consumer durables and are so efficiently soulless it's a mode of transport only. Your constant reference to character here suggests you perhaps feel too something is missing from newer bikes with which technology simply cannot manufacture or inject in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's why I do like the likes of the, the Meteor because they do have that character that often is missing from bikes. It's, it's a fair point. It is a fair point that and great to have that opinion that I know a lot of people share. Right. OK, next one. Um, Freddie. I've owned numerous sportsters and just love them. I figured you'd enjoy this beautiful bike you're testing. On repair costs, I would say geography plays a huge difference. In Wisconsin, here in the US, where I live, there are Harley dealerships, there are Harley dealerships everywhere. Most people who own bikes either fix, them, uh, fix it themselves or have other Harley owners do it. They are everywhere here. Sportsters are a dime a dozen. My 2006 1200R, I paid $2,800 for and sold it for $3,000 three years later. Uh, let me just interject here. Even in the USA, they go up in value. Even in the USA, where they are a dime a dozen, they go up in value. How is that possible? It's incredible. The US, they make certain vehicles that are so ridiculously popular. They are just, it's a bit like, you know, What's the term when you call, you know, vacuum cleaner? You just say, oh, a Hoover. Have you got the Hoover? When something's so popular, like a Jeep, you know, we we refer to four by fours as Jeeps when, of course, that's a brand name. But they're so popular, you just say, oh, I've just bought a Jeep when actually it's not a Jeep. It's a Toyota Land Cruiser or something. Um, I, I continue. That was five years ago. I can buy. OK, so. Um, my 2006 1200R, I paid 2,804 and sold it for $3,000 three years later. That was five years ago. I can buy the same bike for probably $4,000 now. That bike had covered 73,000 trouble-free miles. I continue. I'm considering buying a Triumph Street Scrambler this spring. For us in the States, uh, we are concerned because Triumphs are rare and expensive to work on. The opposite of Harley's. Harley's Harley parts are available everywhere here and they are dirt cheap. Used parts are very inexpensive and there's used custom parts available everywhere in people's garages. Triumph parts, however, are nowhere to be found. Ge geography makes a huge difference. I bet it's pretty easy to find Triumph and Triumph parts in your location. I bet working on Triumphs is pretty affordable for you two. Uh, I'd love uh, to own a Triumph, I think. Thanks for the video. This is eye-opening because, yes, I'm British, obviously. Well, I say live in the UK. I'm in Tenerife at the moment, but everyone, everyone has Triumphs in the UK. Parts are incredibly easily to come by. Everything is extremely good value. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And that is a great insight from uh, an American to hear in the USA what it's actually like for Harleys. They're not expensive in the US. It's really interesting that. Um, and I'll get on to one more bit. Final one. Uh, Freddie, they are so easy to service yourself. No tappets to adjust as hydraulic, just change the oils. Belt drive is also easy. Hardly any maintenance lasts way longer than any chain and no mess. Boom, there you go. That's a good selling point as well. Extremely easy to look after. Okay, cool. 
You have sold it to me. You have. I tell you what I want to do. Let me see if I can do this quickly. Harley Davidson USA. I'll see if it will let me do this. Hmm. No, I'll, I'll try my VPN next time. I want to see the difference in costs from uh, from Harley's because I know it's cheaper, of course, but even buying a new Harley in the US is way cheaper than, for example, buying it in Europe. I just wonder how much cheaper. It may actually be eye-watering how much cheaper Harleys are in the USA when, com when compared to the UK. So I'll have a look at that uh, and I may touch upon that in next week's episode. Right, let's get to it. Final bit. Cheaper sportsters that I can find on Gumtree. Or actually, someone said, Freddie, don't just look on Autotrader for Harleys. Check out Gumtree. So, for example, if I go here to... I want to find a, a really nice quality. 2007 onwards, Harley-Davidson Sportster, 1200. That's what I'm going to be looking for. And I want to see what is possible for for my budget. I would love it. I'd love it if I could get one around 5K. For me, that's a magic number, around about 5,000 pounds. So is it possible in the UK? Let's have a look. Harley-Davidson Sportster, 1200cc plus, minimum year 2007. That way I know, I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll do 2008, just so I know it's, yeah, 2007, that's fine, just so I know it's injected. Okay, Harley-Davidson Sportster. Max year. That and minimum year, I'll do 2008 just to be doubly sure. Right, I've got 19 available. The cheapest is £5,599 for 2008 Sportster with 8,600 miles on the clock and that is £5,500. It looks, it looks really nice. From a motorcycle dealership as well. It's got a rear seat, lots of chrome. Tempting at that price. Okay, let's get onto Gumtree then and just see what I've got. Harley Davidson, let's say price maximum, 6,000 pounds. Click go. Okay, let's see what there is here. Hmm. Quite a nice one here, 2014. Yeah, Gumtree does have good ones. Check out Gumtree if you're looking for bikes because, yeah, because there's a good selection there. Okay, so I've got one for 5,800 pounds on Gumtree as well. And just the final one, let me check on eBay. Harley Davidson Sportster Motorcycles. Uh, should I do 1,200? Yeah, motorcycles, let's have a look. Right, and finally on eBay, what can you get? Model year, 2009. Oh, you know what, it shows you gotta shop around because, let's get uh, 2011. 
Hmm. Okay, so if I go for 2008, 2010, 12, 13, 14, 15, you have to look on all of the platforms actually. So I've got on eBay, there were 39 results. And let's have a look and see what we're coming in at. Is there anything in my budget? Here we go. There's a 2009 Harley Davidson Sportster for £5,250. Well looked after bike. So, so I could, I could do it. With 14,000 miles on the clock, two owners from new full service history. So Gumtree coming back £5,800 for a lovely one in black. Really nice, but that comes with the full touring setup. And none of these bikes are overlapping on any different platforms. That's why you have to check every single outlet because these bikes, I'm not finding these bikes in any of the other platforms. These people are just posting to one platform. So on Gumtree, for example, I've got a full touring mode setup. 2014 Harley Davidson, it's, it's only eight years old. With the full touring setup, 5,800 pounds, you know, that's a good looking bike for that money. And then on eBay, 2009 model, 5,250 pounds, and that's got panniers and a rear rest as well. But actually, I think, I'm gonna stick with it. I think my pick will be this one from Maverick Motorcycles in the UK, the silver one, just because it's incredibly standard. And in silver, it is a, it's a work of art in silver, actually. And that's 5,599. If I could get 200 quid off, that you're looking at a very well-priced bike with fuel injection you know it's modern enough to be used every day okay right right i'll do some research solo now and i will leave you to your days thank you so much for listening to this week's episode please do have a brilliant week all and i'll speak to you in the next one